It's a pleasure to be joined by you today, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> um, what's going on, Zach? How you doing today? I'm good. Yeah. It's Bastille Day today, oh. the French holiday. Oh, we oui. commemorates the storming of the Bastille in the French Revolution, which was a prison for political dissidents. Nice. So, nice. That's dope. A little piece of world history for you the, there. The guillotines and all that. I. I mean that same revolution, yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah. was the storming of the Bastille prison yeah, that nice. occurred today. It's a national holiday. It's kind of like their Independence Day, kind okay. of. All right, that's cool. Um, so uh, Zach uh, came in with uh, he wanted to bring two not corrections, but maybe like updates to uh, in our little intro segment. Yes, yeah. an addendum. An addendum. An addendum right. to this, one story this guy, this and an guy fancy as hell. and an update addendum. to another. Yeah, a d- addendum as in we're a correcting. D- a d- a d- <laughs> an addendum as in I know addendum is a hard word for dummies to say, but <laughs> a d- addendum. Uh, an addendum as in a correction to something we uh, misspoke. Last week in our in our opening I never segment, get anything wrong, in so our in right. our intro segment when discussing Donald Rumsfeld and his death, um, I asked what made him a bad person, and then when talking about it, I guessed I wasn't sure, but I had guessed that he uh, um, was involved with the uh, con- the plume controversy, which oddly enough is uh, is the the anniversary of that leaking is today too, and. Um, that was the one where they leaked the information of a CIA operative. He wasn't quite involved in that all that much, so um, his name is in is cleared there. But I realized what made him a piece of shit, and that he was responsible for mass torture that occurred during the Iraq War, and yeah. was probably aware of the Abu Ghraib prison scandal that occurred in 2004. And in fact, his mass torture is what led to him resigning from the position of Secretary of Defense. So, so there you go. Yep, a little bit of an addendum to what makes Donald Rumsfeld a quote piece of shit. Well, he was he was also an architect of the Iraq War. Like, yeah, yeah, and the Afghanistan yeah. War. Both of that was correct. No addendums yeah. there. Yeah. And um, an update to a story we're following that's still in process, so expect more updates <laughs> from Phase Clan. Clan. Expect more updates from from this yeah. story in, Dude, wait, in real, on future episodes. Real quick, uh-huh. I was fucking dying because uh, <laughs> I saw people online calling Phase Banks Brother Banks because Brother he Banks. Has a giant bald spot. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like he looks like a friar. <laughs> you know what's pretty weird is since we covered this story and since Phase Clan's been in the news, I've seen so many of their their members posting on Twitter. And online, I've just seen like an uptick in them. I don't know if that's because I, you know, the algorithm has, you know, pushed them to the surface a little bit more or or what. But anyways, an update to the cryptocurrency scam that some a few phase members were involved with. Um, 
Yeah, last week we mentioned that a YouTuber uh, that goes by the the name Coffeezilla did a, a great piece of He's investigative awesome. journalism into Phase uh, Phase K and his dealings in the Save the Kids crypto token scam. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out that Phase K has sent um, Coffeezilla and Coffeezilla's cohort, some ordinary gamer, cease of desist, see a cease and desist, cease and desist, um, <laughs> order. Basically, that states if he doesn't um, um, retract his statements publicly and stop the coverage of this story, that he could be quote liable for millions of dollars that phase k oh formerly phase k i don't know what his i can't remember what his real name is but formerly phase we'll just call him <laughs> it's definitely not oh the artist formerly he's not even an artist the guy formerly known as as phase k no no he's known um, as okay okay <laughs> um yeah, okay. so Phase K has um, pro- actually produced a, a a recent YouTube video lately, begging people not to believe the rumors, hinting Don't he was he was he hints that he was tricked by an unnamed party, and hints oh, that there is baby. a greater character, a mastermind, a Darcidious behind the shadows. The elusive who, man. <laughs> right now, it's being rumored, and I've heard of this guy before. That it's this guy who is called Sam Pepper. An old prank YouTuber who had a series of very shitty, very uh, exploitive uh, prank series on on YouTube, and um, but K didn't say that outright. But that's who is suspected that he's hinting at as one of the leading conspir conspirators conspirators of this uh, scandal. So. Yeah, that's about all there was to update. I did also mention like Phase K had a couple other cohorts in it, and in Phase itself, I think I can't remember all their names, but I believe the guy that went by the name Tico. I think Coffeezilla yeah. ended up exonerating him or clearing his name because mm. it was later revealed that one of them that I mentioned in that show that that guy actually didn't sell and mm. was unaware. Oh, so one damn. of them was has damn, been what exonerated. A, what a scumbag, dude! He starts a scam <laughs> and he doesn't even let his own homie yeah, fucking know. know that it's a fucking scam. I know. So I believe. Hold on, I have the names written down here. Yes, I believe it's Tico was the one that that they cleared. That they somewhat said that he was on you, cleared You're of it. Um, so yeah, that's just a bit of an update. This is an ongoing story. Obviously, I think there's more to come here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much this affects Phase Phase's greater organization and operation because they are big. And I did not realize that. I don't follow um, a lot of gaming stuff. Um, well, what, these they, days they moved. They moved to Atlanta. The well, the professional, yeah, the professional team did, but they're based out of L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. the COD team moved to Atlanta, but they and they but they have a bunch a bunch of of people in their organization and um, yeah, and un- unrelated news to this, I've also noticed an uptick in what it seems like since this has come to light. It seems like there's actually a lot of influencers online who are involved with some or have some crypto token of jake paul jake and logan paul Mm -hmm. they're all promoting some crypto token so uh beware beware that's some sketchy shit i would recommend you don't invest in any crypto token peddled to you by a youtube or instagram or any online influencer it's probably bullshit and you'll probably lose money avoid at all costs anyways updates to come about that story as it continues to play out just here you go just look at them just look at them <laughs> and be like, is this person lying to me? And you look at the Paul brothers. Can you this look guy be Keemstar? <laughs> you look at you look at like a rice gum and you're like, 
Yeah, this dude for sure wants to. They're not out there to help you make no, money. They're, cops they're making money for themselves. That's what being an influencer is about. It's yeah. about exploiting the internet, exploiting vulnerable people online and making money off Seeing them. your fans as just mobile piggy banks that you could fucking... So, a little bit of an early... Sh- but we, we this is a perpetual shame on them. Perpetual. Perpetual shame they're on them. And all, and and all peddlers because- of, of, of fraudulent crypto currencies. And no, and it sucks too because, like, I remember being in high school. I used to love FaZe, like... They were cool back in the day when yeah. they were a smaller organization. Now yeah. they've become quite a, a monster yeah, of, become, of gaming media. You become corporate. And and yeah, you yeah, they soul. became corporate, you know. And <laughs> yeah, now they have HR. <laughs> they can't yeah, and, and you know, it used to be a cool little fun organization. Not even clan, clan making, yeah. you know, montages of quickscoping people online. Yeah. And now they're, you know, quite a, a large um hulking behemoth of internet online gaming content and it's you know not something i follow heavy these days i like i said last week i think most of their followers are younger guys you know um well everything pure and honest gets corrupted in this world yeah and they went corporate you know so if you want to use that as a lead into bosco's weekly corporate slam piece yeah so here we go i I wasn't like last week i mentioned it zach mentioned it and uh i was like i don't know have it a weekly piece but it just seems that i just i just gravitate towards one i mean this is what our fifth variety weekly variety episode and Every week, it's some type of. Four. It's our fourth. Some type. It's our fourth. It's our some type of weekly uh, slam piece, yeah. corporate slam piece. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it is. What a, it if is. it's a topic you're drawn to, there's no problem. There's That's no right. Worries. So now, it's a weekly Bosco's corporate slam piece. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Anyways, right so, on. <laughs> right on. Let's um, take down the man. All right. So, oh shit. All right. So we're talking about. Um, yeah, so who I wanted to slam this week was, I wanted to slam uh, Frito-Lay in Topeka, Kansas. The chip company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Topeka, Kansas, they had um, a factory that, uh, there's there's been strikes going on. Have you, have you seen any of this? No. Okay. So, um, so... There, there's a lot of, they're striking right now because, um... Because basically they're working in inhumane working conditions, right? So uh, you know, they they basically have no days off. You know, uh, they haven't gotten raises in a long time. The factory th- workers. The factory workers, yeah. Um, the what they one of the people who had been working there for like thirty some odd years said that uh, <laughs> the last raise they had was twenty cents in nine years. Wow, crazy. Um, work there for a decade and you get a grand total raise of about nine, ten yeah, cents. Yeah, no, no, no. This is how crazy it was. They so were, it's they, one cent a year. They were like, the deal that we signed, we agreed that the first year it'll be ten cents. Mm-hmm. The second year, no cents. Third year, another ten cents. How That's generous. Weak. How generous of our corporate overlords. Um, <clears throat> so, you know. Uh, one of the things they also brought up too was that during COVID, um, the HR and all the people in the offices, they got to work from home, but you know, the factory workers, they were there, they were there during, 
Um, extreme heat, ex- extreme wheat, extreme heat, <laughs> and extreme cold. It's extreme wheat that they use to make your chips. Yeah, your extreme wheat. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, and especially how crazy this summer has been. Well, you know, during the COVID pandemic, this was a recurring theme in any large industry that had a both a administrative corporate side and then a factory uh, warehouse side where. Uh, management gets to stay home and stay safe and stay right, comfortable and cozy and factory workers and, and warehouse workers and maintenance techs They're and disposable. delivery drivers you come in and you uh, can cough up covid on your doritos yeah exactly so <laughs> um so yeah i'm i'm gonna actively uh, after this shit until they change i'm for sure definitely gonna not buy, try to buy anything frito-lay but Frito-Lay is also a subsidiary of uh, PepsiCo. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you, you know, if you want to, if you want to, st- and there's actually been shortages recently because of the strike. Um, of like what, Lay's chips? Yeah, and shit like that. So um, uh, one of the interesting things is they t- they talked about how... Um, they get to work something called that they called so lovely a suicide shift. A suicide shift. I'd love to hear about that. Sounds like something all fucking metalheads would be very interested to work. Suicide shift. <laughs> Badass, bro. Um, Badass, bro, dude. Only the hardest do a suicide shift. All right. So basically, what it is is that they have eight hours off in between shifts, and they work twelve-hour shifts. Seven days a week. So obviously this is in California because I'm pretty sure there's a no. California state law that it's says in, there has to Topeka. be ten hours between. It's in between. Topeka, Kansas, this specific okay. factory, and that's the thing. Um, uh, you know, uh, just on a side note, a good a good thing is is that I think in the Senate budget bill, Joe Biden, um, uh, I mean, uh, Bernie Sanders announced that the Pro Act is going to be included into the Senate budget bill. Which is a great thing because the PRO Act is basically a pro-worker piece of legislation that helps people organize and fight against um, companies that think that they're disposable and that, you know, that, uh, oh, well, if you, you know, you work until you pass out, you know. But the suicide shifts in particular, so I just thought I'd pop in a little good news there. Mm -hmm. Because I saw that and I was like, hell yeah, dude, that's fucking, that's a legitimately piece of good news. Something you won't hear often here. Um, <laughs> um, so the suicide shifts, basically they were like, okay, we're off at 11 a.m. But then mm-hmm. you had to come back at 7 p.m. to work another 12-hour shift. Damn. Think about that. 11 a.m., you get off of a 12-hour shift. And then you have to come back on at 7 p.m. So they work 7 p.m. till the next day at 11 a.m.? Yep. That's longer than 12 hours. No, 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 no. So they get off at 11. Uh-huh, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Okay. And then they have to come back in at 7 p.m. So the they same only day. have an, the same day, mm-hmm. right? And they only have eight hours off in between shifts. That's fucking, mm-hmm. that's fucking gross as shit. Yeah. That's gross as shit. And, of course, with this crazy heat wave we've been having, um, all over, really... Um, you know, did you see recently that they said that, um, in California that, um, that there's like a huge salmon die off right now because of the heat, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it's, there was, that was in the news last week, um, yeah. about marine life 
dying off due to increased temperatures in the water. Right. So, so, th- th- and increased Fritos too. The yeah. salmon started eating the Fritos. Yeah, dude. Yeah. From the factories that were made with blood and tears. Yeah. Well, you and know, th- they started dying. There's something interesting. So imagine that- what that's doing to your kids. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's something interesting that I've always thought, and you know, we'll talk about this stuff m- later on. Um, but it seems like you know. When when the heat when heat becomes like a global issue like it has been lately, there's been there's uh, I saw recently that there was uh, in Lebanon there's a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like uh, you know like basically there they used to be basically uh, like one of the only uh, middle class uh, places in in the mid- Middle East, and lately they've been they've been struggling. You know, um, well that's not true. There's Israel is is okay, a middle class. True, Jordan true. is a middle class okay, place. Fair enough, Kuwait, fair enough. Dubai, yeah, okay. all upper class. Okay, fair enough. So. But they were one of the first, I think, is what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there was uh, I think in Ethiopia, there's a uh, there's like a civil war going on. Is there? Yeah, and uh, and then yeah, of course, you know what's going on in Haiti, what's going on in Cuba. It just seems like when the heat, when when there's a heat wave, it just seems that like our system kind of ju- everything just kind of breaks down, right? Mm. So of course we're gonna break down. I mean, in times of crisis, we saw this all last year during the pandemic. In times of crisis, be it from a pandemic or extreme weather, the cracks begin to show. And right. you know, me and you talked about this a last a lot last year. It's like these problems didn't emerge because of the pandemic or because of climate crises they are exacerbated by them and they're accelerated by them and they come to the forefront and people realize that they're in a bad situation as forces that are out of their control be it the climate or a pandemic is coming down on them they look to their governments and their systems, their economic systems, their infrastructure systems, their government, their leaders, um, to provide some sense of stability and safety. And those have already been compromised um, for whatever reasons. It obviously varies country to country, but you see that there was that those systems were flawed, and now in the middle of a crisis, those flaws become. Um, unavoidable and, and, you know, demand action. Exactly. So, um, so back to the Frito-Lay story. Okay. Um, I just, I just thought that was interesting to bring up. I just feel like heat is like one of those factors, like you said, that shows the cracks, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but basically, uh, people are collapsing of heat, heat exhaustion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, there was this great video. I don't know if you saw it. I sent it to you, but, um... You know, you hear from the workers and what they complain about. You know, one guy was saying, like, you know, when I was a kid, I took a tour of this factory and they said, oh, you'd be lucky to work here. Hmm. And then he does work there. And, you know, he's, you know, working in shit conditions. You know what I mean? It's hotter than Satan's front porch. Yeah. I love that expression. (laughs) And you're sweating like a whore in church. (laughs) Um but yeah, so minimal raises, heat exhaustion. Of course, there's no you know, uh, no good air. You know, there's no AC. Except I mean, in the HR I've offices. never worked in a warehouse or a factory. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I haven't. Um. 
So I can't imagine what those conditions are like, um, but I'm assuming if it's a factory with very little ventilation, with hot with machines running, be it forklifts or you kind of did other... work in a factory though, oh, in the work. bread factory. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, I was delivering, yeah, so that's I would true. just go okay. into the warehouse and yeah. see it. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, no, totally. I oh. mean, but I can imagine little ventilation, machines running, tons people of people real. working. Yeah, you know, and the sun blasting on it all day. Yeah, it's probably not well insulated. Oh my god, imagine how hot like, the metal machines are when it's That's been... probably like hot and stuffy in there, hard yeah. to breathe. So so You're already working hard they, too. They are the people that make life easy for us. The people that work in factories, right? Mm-hmm. The people that do shit like this. You know, and you know of course Do they make I mean um not to bash any workers here because it's obviously not on them but how is frito-lay any frito-lay in product enriching our lives <laughs> that's a fair point that's a fair point but at, at we this, could do without frito-lay's product without frito-lay but you know what we can't do, seem to do without amazon mm. yeah amazon of course <laughs> you thought it would be a week go by without me bringing up amazon no of course they're involved in the story I recommend you read this story. It's on um, statuscoo.substack. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy, Jordan Sheridan, he does great reporting. Um, a lot of, like, uh, pro-worker um, news stories and stuff like that. Give give him, a, give him a read. I'll put the link in the, in the description. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, in Amazon, uh, in Staten Island, New York... Um, has been one of the areas where the, I think they were called the ALU, which is basically this union. It's like the Amazon Laborers Union, I think mm-hmm. that's what it's called. Um, and they've been trying to form, but Amazon has been notoriously anti-union. Um, so If uh, you remember the protests from earlier this year, which yeah, were national and, uh, headlines. And I think it was... was some that, Alabama, Alabama some, I don't yeah. remember the city exactly, yeah, but... Yeah, um... So we learned of some more inhumane working conditions, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, before it was the pooping in bags and the peeing, you know, peeing in bottles, peeing in bottles, you know, constant working. Wasn't there like some story released allegedly? I don't know if this is true or not, but that they, the little computer you carry around yeah, tracks if you stop does. moving. And it tracks how fast you do tasks. Yeah, and yeah. if you stop moving, like it, like. I don't know if it like clocks you out or like reprimands you in some way. I don't quite remember, but no, they, they, I swear it's something I've they heard. They do have tablets that they work with that track the tasks that they're on. I don't know exactly how it works because I don't work at Amazon. Um, but okay. it's a bureaucratic nightmare, I bet. Oh yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that people have said that they get fired by email, <laughs> by bot. Basically, they get fired by bot. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. You don't even have a fucking face-to-face when you get fired? Mm. That's fucking nuts. Well, that's like a little bit of a personal side tangent here. Um, I knew that, I mean, I was on a temporary amount of hours, so I knew that my layoff was coming. But the official last thing I got was, this was working with the county of Santa Cruz. My official last thing I got after being laid off was just like some, you know, cut and paste template, um email from hr saying thank you for your work with the county and i went through shit with that job that was a tough job you know and you know just kind of like to be like kind of just dismissed so like nonchalantly and in like a template cut and paste email just like it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way and like i just felt like oh all this work i did for you guys and i get a goodbye 
you know, thank you, goodbye. Yeah, email. that's like, gross. Not even like send me at least an edible arrangement or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a fl- bouquet of flowers. I mean, you know, my direct supervisor um, did call me and leave me a, a voicemail that was nice of him. But you know, he's he's you know j- you know he was he on site with us, you yeah. know, so he knew me personally. Right. You know, he just said, "Hey, thanks for your work," and you know that was cool of him. But still, yeah. like you know, just you know, and then complete cut cut off contact from the county i've and i've always i've been waiting this was months ago i've been waiting to maybe receive a message from them uh, giving me other opportunities putting forward you know because i apparently i was a good employee for them but nothing yeah. anyways it just you know i understand that frustration yeah, of being no, no, like laid off in an email essentially yeah, that's, and it's it's terrible you know um but yeah, so, you know, one of the things workers reported, so I'm just going to go over some things that, you know, was reported there. Um, you know, people were saying, from the moment we walk in, we're literally dripping wet in our own sweat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one Amazon uh, worker who requested anonymity for fear of losing, losing their job, of course. Understandable. Um, witnessed four co-workers carried off on stretchers. Ambulance then called due to the extreme, extreme heat inside of the warehouse. Um, it's like a war zone there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were saying, you know, you know, some people were saying, oh, you know, sometimes the warehouse should have been shut down for the day. The conditions are not fair. We've already been working 12-hour days, and it's similar to a f- prison facility. You know what I mean? <laughs> All this to get you your butt blood pl- butt plug in seven hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because um, you want that blood butt plug for tonight. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it references a, a person part of the ALU um, that's trying to unionize Amazon work. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dana Miller, she said she passed AR- HR officials in their fully air-conditioned offices, of course. Oh, I bet. Of course. Um you know, uh, oh, but you know, when it's hot, you want to go for a nice, uh, nice, nice bottle of water, of right? Of course. Um, the water stations at the job have been running empty. Hmm. Um, so while the stations lacked water, Amazon was like, we'll hand you water bottles. This is what one of the workers said when they, uh, when they saw the water that Amazon was handing out to them. They said, <clears throat> We don't know how long they've been sitting or where they've been sitting. They taste very cloudy. Nobody drinks it because this water tasted horrible. Hmm. Think about it. That water was probably sitting there for a long time and they were just like, ah, whatever, we'll just do this. It just shows a consistent lack of disrespect for humanity. That's why I hate Amazon. That's why I hate what they've become. You would think the wealthiest company on the in the world would be able to get you a nice refrigerated bottle of Icelandic or Fiji water. Something <laughs> be the least the you could fuck's ask for. Sake, even a, just a cold bottle of Arrowhead. Ew. So, um, in discussing this um, with one of our friends, now water is obviously a human right. I would say that, and I would fa- question and anybody. Especially when this heat wave who, has been happening, they need cold water. I would question the ethics and the morality of anybody that says water isn't a human right because that's essential to live um but we had a friend um who questioned whether ac was a was a a human right in a warehouse what do you think so i think it's an interesting question um you know to say like hey you know like is air conditioning a luxury um 
I would argue in some circumstances it is like, you know, I have neighbors um, um, at my uh, at my parents' house where I'm staying right now. I have neighbors who will run their air conditioning. Uh, my rule, because I don't want to fry the grid here in California, I'm afraid of that, mm-hmm. is no air conditioning unless it hits 90 or above. Okay. Otherwise, just open the window, stay downstairs. You- you'll be all right, you know? Yeah. And especially in houses, they stay cool. But I have neighbors that'll run it on days where it barely breaks 80 and they'll run it through the night where the temperature drops down yeah. into the low to mid 60s. I, I, and I'm I've, like, that is fucking indulgent. I've, You're going to fry our power grid. I've, I've run mine at night, but I put it on like a timer, like a, yeah. like, like an hour timer just so I can. I mean, if it's cool. unbearably hot at night, yeah. I understand. But yeah. like if it's in the mid 60s, you don't need it. So in, in a lot but of ways, it, but, it is a okay, luxury. But let's let's let's. Take it out of the personal con, con, because you know I think we could go back and forth uh, about you know as far as just being a person should they have access to AC, but I think I, I mean well there's also the point you can bring up about what's been happening to the people in the Pacific Northwest recently mm-hmm. when they've encountered this heat wave and you know people have been dying because they've never needed AC in that area. Uh, well, to bring to. Uh, uh, to bring it back to um, the fact of it being a workplace issue. Okay, yeah, I, let's, I, let's bring it back yeah. to that. So. Um, I would argue that it would be beneficial for productive reasons to yeah. keep employees go cool. longer. Whether or not it's a human right, I guess, is up to, um, I guess that's always going to be something that I guess can be debated unless the temperature is, if it's more than 90 degrees and you're working in a warehouse and you're collapsing, your safety should be a priority. Safety in the yeah. workplace, I do believe, is a human right. Well, you That's know, why we have OSHA, to, well, to well, make sure know, people aren't dying at work, trying to make a living, you know, so they can feed themselves, their families, and be comfortable. You shouldn't be, have to put your life on the line when you go to your job. And if that means, if your life's on the line because your workplace is overheated, then yeah, I think the air conditioning is a human right. Especially in that when the case. fucking HR department gets to be all cushy on their fucking top floor mm-hmm. using computers and shit, mm-hmm. while the people are on the bottom floor fucking busting their ass and fucking you know in this hot weather. Of course, that's a bad look for for that upper management. That's a bad it is. bad you know, look. And even in Washington, where there's some uh, Amazon warehouses, they were running what they call power hours. Mm-hmm. That a call for workers to increase their speed during these hot temperatures. Mm-hmm. At least put on the AC for that. Won't won't it help with employees being more productive? They don't care. Zach. If they're cool, they don't, they'll work better because they do care about a- being productive, though, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but Amazon, their whole company is based off of their bottom line and getting the most profit margin, right? And I understand what you're saying. I understand, but it's it's the natural nature of a corporation that's Amazon size is to worry about constantly having growth, right? And providing um, amenities for workers is going to cut into your bottom line. But it's a, it's a, it's an ethical choice that you, as a CEO, as a person, need to make on behalf of all these people who depend for this job for their for their livelihoods, you know, and. You know, the, the hot temperatures, uh, you know, and these warehouses has been uh, happening after Amazon's profits soared to 84% in 2020. You know what I mean? They're profitable. They're the most profitable business. And they like, can't afford central AC. It's fucking bullshit. And, you know, Jeff Bezos. How is that going to cut into their bottom line that much? Sure, it'll be a, a couple 
millions, hundred million if they put it in every warehouse in the country. Because Amazon you know, but is that anti-worker. Means, that means that their workers, they if they have a better working conditions, they attract more talent, they attract more skill, people that are better at the job, they can retain that talent and skill longer, and those people can work better and be more productive, thus helping Amazon increase its output and make money i don't this seems like such a short-term oversight i agree agree with you i mean i don't understand a lot about business or how industry works and runs but that seems like a very short-term outlook on of just skipping out on ac because that's going to be a a little bit of a dent this year putting it in in every factory well you know compared to like years of having that ac to increase productivity and make well, sure that you, your your employees are are comfortable while they're working to pr- provide your service. Well, the thing is, is that I think um, I think that this is going to be an ongoing problem as far as global warming happens. Mm-hmm. Yes, we believe global warming is happening, um, uh, and you know, <clears throat> but but Jeff Bezos wrote in his letter to the shareholders on his way out of Amazon. Uh-huh. He wrote, Amazon is, quote, Earth's best employer and Earth's safest place to work. Really? <laughs> <laughs> how far is his head up his own ass? Oh, that's that's how he that's dude. what he said. Did you see did you see the fake video he did where he was asking his brother to go to space with him? It was so fucking cringe. That's just what he is. Bro, that's the most neoliberal pandering line I've ever heard of of for a CEO to write. We're Earth's best buddy and their best employer. Come work, come work for Amazon, where we're making a difference. Like fucking shove it where the sun don't shine. Maybe then we'll be a little cooler. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. So yeah, that's pretty much all I had on that. Um, I just, I just feel, um, is I feel everyone uses Amazon, and I personally was someone who used Amazon a lot more than I do now. I've cut back because of all these stories I keep seeing about workers being mistreated, you know, it's like, it's like I, you know, I, at first I was just buying whatever and I'd be the typical person, you know, being like, oh, whoa, I, I got something I completely forgot about it. I'd be that fucking person, you know. Well, it's you, easy not to think about it and not to right. consider it. And it's easy. It's easy. Totally. totally. America and that's what, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a culture of instant gratification. And totally. what's more instantly gratifying than ordering your butt plug off Amazon that morning You're, and well, getting it for your nightly well, romp around town. I got my G, my G Fuel sponsored butt plug with the slow drip, okay? And I got it within eight hours, okay? And the, but the thing is, is that you know, but as, you could just go to your lo- patronize your local business, go to your local sex shop. It's gonna take a little bit of more effort. You're gonna have to get out of the house, but go to your local sex shop and buy that butt plug and, there instead of off Amazon. And that's what I have been doing in buying my butt plugs. I have mm. been going to these local stores and supporting them rather than you Cupid's know. Closet, baby. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I just, I just think, um, I want the, the one thing that I wish I could do as far as, you know, using, you know, whatever platform I have here, I just want people to rethink the amount they use Amazon. And the thing is, is that I'm not going to make you feel bad if you use it. I'm not, you know, I understand you're participating in society. It is what it is, but I want you to really think, how much do you really need that item? When you're checking out, think about how much do you really need it next day? 
do the no rush delivery. Fuck it. What, do you need it right this second? No. But you use that prime delivery, that's coming at the expense of someone else. And that's probably multiple people. And multiple people. I would encourage everybody to rethink mass consumerism okay, in America. That's, but that's that's a, that's a that's a bigger that's a big let's let's start let's start with baby steps. Just rethink just rethink your Amazon use. And that's all that's all I I wanna I wanna push is just is just know that Amazon is is not an ethical company. And um I believe that they cheapen human life. Mass consumerism will destroy this planet. Let's move on. Right. <laughs> so, my the I guess this is gonna be our shame uh, topic. So, hey, what are you doing? Hey, shame, shame, shame on you. Shame, shame. Um, so we're shaming this week. We're shaming Tucker Carlson. Low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. <laughs> we know. We know. But. The reason why I wanted to shame Tucker Carlson is that he's a fucking ass. He's a ass hat. Mm-hmm. He's my dad's favorite Fox News pundit. That's um, unfortunate for him. Yeah, um, you know the furrowed brow that exhibits bewilderment and uh, what's entitlement. His and, uh, constant look when someone's talking on his show is a look of shock. Outrage and indignation, like all wrapped up in one goofy exactly. stare. Yeah, like pursed dildo. lips. Yeah, and weird, creepy stare that you would think Ted Bundy would match. Only Ted Bundy could match that weird, creepy, yeah. soulless stare. Yeah, exactly. His he, gay ass bow tie. His gay ass bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hack. Yeah, only a dildo wears a, a hack. bow tie. <laughs> um, but recently, I saw. Um, I saw this, you know, every once in a while, like, you know, a segment he does will catch my eye and be like, oh my God, this is what he's fucking, he's putting on there. You know, there was famously a while back where he was telling people to call CPS on their, on people's children if they are wearing masks outside. That's weird. Very weird. Um, but most recently, uh, on his Fox News show, he had, um... This fucking creep, Matt Walsh, who I see him all over Fox News. He's this fucking creepy libertarian fucking fuck. Um, and, you know, not not trying to, you know, throw shame on all libertarians, but, you know, you know who I'm talking throw about. Throw shame on some libertarians, on that's some for libertarians, sure. they deserve it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> American Independence Party. Yeah. Looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so... I, I, you know, he was recently saying something, you know, it's in regards to, like, the CRT and, you know, like, because that's, like, the latest, you know, culture war bullshit Fox News is peddling. Mm-hmm. Um, critical race theory, in mm. case you don't know. Um, and uh, one of the things this guy was saying on his show, he's like, he was like, you know, we should have cameras filming our students being taught because... Um, you know, anything, there shouldn't be anything at school that isn't okay to be filmed. And, you know, it's like, okay, what about going to the bathroom? <laughs> you know what I mean? You fucking creeps. That, that's, that's what they are. They're fucking creeps. You know? And, uh, but, you know. So what, they want to film this? And then what? Whose job would it be to sit there and watch this? 
Yeah, well, yeah, they were saying like <laughs> what the poor par- public employee would they spend no, taxpayer no, money they're on? Saying, they're saying giving the parents access to the, the live feed, like when they're learning about. Um, so, what, some nosy ass helicopter parent yeah, has even more tools? Exactly. To fucking intrude on, yeah, a te- and, uh, on teaching? And, and one of the things they brought up in that clip was about um, sex ed, you know, because, you know, of course <laughs> okay. they're, they want to. Because. Because people want to lie to their children and tell them masturbation is evil and that you know sex is wrong and abstinence all this stuff. only is that still a thing? Yeah, it's, it, that's that's the current. I mean, that was never a thing. I mean, we, we did get educated in Northern California, but I understand it's a thing in other parts of the country. But like, just the fact that that they would like shamelessly sit there and pretend like people are just gonna be like, oh yeah, let's all like never have sex, like which is like a, the most common and basic and natural human urge yeah. uh, that exists is just like wholly dishonest but go on yeah so you can't believe the facts C- Tucker Carlson tells you so says Fox lawyers <laughs> <laughs> his lawyers say that yeah don't believe a word this guy says <laughs> yeah don't believe a word this guy says and you know it's uh it's something i've always believed is that like the truth the, the, sometimes you know the 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 legal system is flawed and it has many flaws but sometimes the truth comes out in court <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh recently there was a lawsuit it was back in like september 2020 um that uh, a judge had made their verdict saying uh, that um, you can't literally believe the words coming from his mouth. That was the argument being used. Uh, She said, quote, the general tenor of the show should then inform a viewer that Carlson is not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary. What, it's supposed to be satire? Yeah. Is he a how weird? Okay, really, a kind of random. How weird would it be if it came out years later that this whole time he was just playing a character on Fox, <laughs> like like in like the reign of like the Colbert Report? If he was just playing a character and this was all satire, but yeah. everybody believed it was real. I don't think so so either how weird would that be if he was like I just wanted to do this joke to just like show the absurdity of right wing propaganda media and it worked too well I emboldened white nationalists whoopsies dog whistle for white nationalists (laughs) Um, you know Fox persuasively argues that Mr. Carlson's reputation and any reasonable viewer arrives with an appropriate amount of skepticism about the statements he makes. Of course. Um, This is not the first time that this defense has been used, though. A $10 million libel lawsuit filed by the owners of One American News Network against MSNBC's Rachel Maddow uh, was dismissed in May when the judge ruled that she had stretched the established facts allowably, quote, the context of Maddow's statement shows res- reasonable viewers would consider the contested statement to be an opinion. Hmm. Okay. So, so what you're saying is Carlson and others like him, even others on the, quote, other side of the aisle, quote, unquote, right. um, get to 
hide behind the shield of, oh, this is all just my opinion and you shouldn't believe it. Yeah. Because they're definitely not sitting there saying, don't believe me. No, they're not. And that implication is never really made. They want you to believe it. And it gives all the fucking credibility to the people who still say fake news unironically out there. You know what I mean? Well, it's not like they're they're presenting news, but they're doing it in like a editorial sense where they get to like throw their spin on it, you know? Right. And, um, you know, so back to Tucker. Let's talk about Tucker. Okay. So the case was about a former Playboy model, Karen McDougal, who said Carlson defamed her on her show. Carlson's claim that McDougal approached Donald Trump and threatened to ruin his career and humiliate his family if he doesn't give them money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Carlson basically said it's a classic case of extortion. Um, but yeah, so basically, this this was in response to a lawsuit from one of Trump's you know mistresses or whatever, and Carlson was basically saying that this this lady was trying to ruin, besmirch the good name of Donald J. Trump, you know, mm-hmm. and was trying to blackmail him, and you know, and 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 so that's the defense they used. To not get sued for, because uh, she was suing. That for doesn't slander. sound like an opinion, though, to me. That sounds like he's stating outright facts. Yeah. Or what he believes, or wants his wants his viewers right. to believe are facts. But the judge said no one can take this guy seriously. In regards <laughs> to this case, they're like, look at him, look at him, look at this dildo. No one can take him seriously. <laughs> look at that face he makes. Yeah, look at him. He looks like a fucking idiot. He's a clown. He's a clown. But you know, like the thing is, is that. He's like during the, a lot of this COVID shit. He's been one of the biggest pushers of these super toxic and shitty narratives that just are like you know Fox News talking points. Like for example, in June, uh, as protests erupted across the U.S. June twenty twenty. Yeah, June twenty twenty. Um, and after the killing of George Floyd, uh, Carlson said definitely not about Black Lives, and told the viewers. To remember when they come that when they come for you. <laughs> so, I guess my whole point of bringing this up is to shame him, of course. Uh, lather him up and shame butter and s- cook him over his spit. He's shamed. He's. I mean, he deserves to be shamed on a weekly basis. But yeah, yeah, he can be. Obviously, sh- that would become tired. But I think. I think that's. It's funny that th- this is the best way to shame him. That in a court of law. It was argued that he is legally nonsense. (laughs) But at the same time, it worked, and he gets to continue to do his show as is and and continues to manipulate the American audience and actively damage our democratic process by spreading misinformation. Exactly, and that's why American political discourse is fucking toxic as shit, is because... uh, you know, we'll take the two biggest ones on the so-called left and right, you know, Maddow and Carlson. You know, those are probably the two biggest political pundits on TV. If you think Rachel Maddow is on the left. Yeah, no. That's asinine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and naive. Yeah, definitely. But the so, but you take those two and, you know, they're probably the two biggest talking heads, right? Like I said. And they've both been proven in court to be considered nonsense and tomfoolery and, and you know it's just i don't know it, it just it's it's 
weird that these people are so popular yet they can hide behind basically oh well i'm not saying anything seriously mm-hmm. you know what i mean they get to hide behind that it's like almost like the same argument it's like oh i was only joking i was only joking you know when people use that sometimes you mm-hmm. know it's like the state this- true state or state statements they actually believe or want you to believe and then when called out on it oh it's a joke I'm playing a character. I'm exaggerating for the sake of, of, of you know, postulating on my point. I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Remember so, how Tucker Carlson a couple of weeks ago was claiming that the NSA was investigating him? Yeah, that's a whole. That's a whole. Th- that's a whole thing. So what came I, of that? I know the NSA denied it. Well, they and denied was like, it, and then they said they said that the uh, I guess he was looked into because he was trying to interview Vladimir Putin. Hmm. Is this is the the narrative right now? Okay, but I mean, obviously, like, uh, you know, if the NSA was investigating him for whatever reason, like, I know they wouldn't just come outright and say it, mm-hmm. but like, it, it's a strange, you know. He likes to present himself, even though he's there with his bow tie and his clean cut. He's he's a he's he works for the man, yeah. but you know. Carlson and others like him on the conservative right like to present themselves as like they're against the government and they're against and they're fighting the yeah. system, yeah. you know. So his piece or his, him stating I've that, never seen an example clearly of raging for the machine, <laughs> <laughs> except maybe Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> you know. So him stating that the NSA is investigating him gives him promotes this facade that he maintains because he's a facade he was created in a conservative think tank yeah, somewhere he, he's like yeah and there's he's a like lot of fucking he's dark literally money like a conservative him. think tank frankenstein that's what he is yeah and there's tons of dark yeah. money behind him from very wealthy people who have an interest in heir to the swanson family dinner fortune you know and and a lot of wealthy people anyways um you know but it 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 serves him well and how he wants to present how he wants to present himself to his viewers the facade to maintain the facade to say i'm i'm searching for the truth that the government doesn't want you to know that i'm here to help you rebel and break these these chains and i'm and i'm fighting against the system and look at they're investigating me and i have a whistleblower who's let me know about this i don't think anything's been released i don't follow his show i don't think he's come out and said oh here's the guy or here's what this guy said nothing's come of it to me it's all a bit to just you know further you know dig himself into presenting himself as this like you know man on the outside i've I've always seen it it's just like kind of like a character like just to like kind of build his his character in the media you know it's like oh yeah the the nsa was coming after me because i'm so on the edge (laughs) you know he's probably I mean, he's in cahoots with, with all kinds of dark money, and he's more valuable to. He's a puppet. To the yeah, he's more valuable to the government and the systems that be. I think than he is a liability. You oh, know, yeah. the the thing that makes him a liability, I think, to is to our democracy and to the stability of our country is because you know he's he he's would never outright say it, but you saw that clip when he he panders to white nationalists. And, of course. But you saw that clip when he said, when he started to say segregation was the, and he almost says 
and he starts to say like a B, like he's about to say best thing, and then he like stops himself. Oh, and he's I like, remember that worst thing like, that <laughs> obviously ever happened. He was like so close. The, the the facade was the veil almost fell down in front of her eyes on a live view. He almost went ahead and say almost went ahead and said segregation is the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Duh. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tucker, shame. You know, go 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 for a walk. I'm sure we'll talk about him yeah, in a I'm future sure episode. I, you know, I'm sure this won't be the first time he'll be laughing. The day we take down Tucker Carlson, that would be Momentous. our crowning country yeah. achievement. Yeah, but, um, you know, until then, just know that legally, Tucker Carlson is nonsense. Don't watch Tucker Carlson. Encourage your family and friends not to watch him. There's better alternatives. Even among conservative media, there's yeah. way better alternatives. Come on. Don't give this guy the attention he wants. Don't let them yeah. propagate the facade. Don't let them lie to you. Don't let this propaganda continue. Fuck yeah. Car- Tucker Carlson. Fuck Tucker. Tucker! Tucker! <laughs> all right so uh let's uh let's let's dip into your bags Ed. all right we're gonna um the final talking point this week um it's a little bit of news i've titled uh, my new segment this week drama in the caribbean <laughs> trouble in paradise <laughs> what are you what are you trying to be some fucking cheese dick newscaster now <laughs> well i i did it i did enough i had a title um there's okay. enough drama right. here wait wait hold on let me let me let me do the intro for the title dum 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 boom boom drama in the caribbean bow wow wow <laughs> <laughs> um, go for it so we'll get into so talking dumb. about <laughs> we'll get into cuba in a minute i wanted to start with a story that broke last week um and i thought it was really interesting this is a very fascinating story to me so You've probably heard, or most people have probably heard, that last week on July 7th, the president of Haiti, his name is Jovenel Moyes. I'm not quite sure how to say it. It's Creole. Um, I study French, so I should know how to say it a little bit better, but we'll call him Moyes. Moyes? Moyes? I don't... I'm. Anyways, he was assassinated at his home um, on July 7th. Um... And right now, um, there's still an ongoing investigation, but right now it's believed that a group of mercenaries were behind this attack. Trained mercenaries, mostly from South America. Um, He was shot several times in his home, and his wife was also shot, but she was taken to a hospital in Florida and is in recovery right now. Um, So where the story is interesting is the... Mercs um, were mostly of Colombian origin. A little bit of an interesting tangent on these Colombian mercenaries is I've read and learned that Colombian mercenaries, former military men of the Colombian military, are highly valued um, in their post-military careers as uh, mercenaries and contractors for private military companies because they have extensive experience. Apparently, the Colombian military is very active, and they have a very rigorous training process, and they're very renowned soldiers, and they make good mercenaries. And um, among these mercenaries were two uh, Haitian Americans who spoke English. 
And when they arrived, um, they came in the in around one in the morning. Arrived with SUVs armed. There was a big group of them, about twenty men. Um, and the um, English speakers of the group, in an American accent, announced their presence. DA, DA. So this was heard on a recording. It's this recording is unverified for the record, but on the recording, a person announced that this is a DEA operation. Please yeah. stand down. And this was announced yeah, several times crazy. over a megaphone. That's what and that's what makes people think that maybe it was like it had something to do with the like US being involved. Yeah, and- well, so it gets a little bit more interesting. Um, so the Mercs Jeez, basically do tell. the Mercs entered the president's home under the guise of being DEA operatives and the security stood down. So this the, there was private security there for the president, obviously. And no all the security um, members, security personnel on site at the president's home got out unscathed. None of them were shot or attacked. Only the president and his wife were the ones injured and obviously the president was killed. Um, so there is some belief that perhaps the security was in on it. In fact, I just read that the president's head of security was just arrested, um, just earlier today, I believe. Um, also in regards to the DEA connection. So when the story first broke out, there was rumors that perhaps this was of some type of foreign mercenary group, which it looks like it was using the cover of the DEA to perhaps frame America for something, even though this president is a U.S. backed president, the the U.S. backs uh, President Moyes. I had I had heard that um, that um, one of them were uh, actually a DEA yes. informant. Yes, one of these Haitian Americans is down a, that guy Guy Philippe. Is, I think is his name? I don't know. I didn't get too much information on him, but one so, of them was in fact and a former informant for the DEA. Yeah, no. Um, these two men, for the record, claimed they weren't mercenaries and that they were merely acting as translators for these Colombian mercs, and that they were told allegedly that they the Colombian mercs just had business there and that they weren't there on some type of assassination mission. Um, we're really passing through. <laughs> um, so a little bit more drama broke out because the 24 hours later, drama alert. Um, <laughs> the obviously the police of Haiti went on a manhunt. And they tracked um, a large group of these mercenaries down to a house somewhere in a Haitian neighborhood and had a gun battle with them where a few of these uh, suspected assailants were killed. Uh, Many were taken into custody. Some fled. Some fled to the Taiwanese embassy. And uh, the police approached the Taiwanese embassy. And obviously the ambassador is like, yeah, okay, because, you know, an embassy can claim like extraterritorial rights and not allow other the country they're at they're not allowed security forces on but they said no come on arrest these guys they arrested them in fact people in haiti citizens stormed out and actually found two other men um hiding in a ravine somewhere so they've arrested a lot of the perpetrators there's still a few of them out at large i believe as of recording this um and again most of them are colombian mercenaries um it's unclear if they were working in cahoots with any other government like the DEA it doesn't seem like it but there's questions and I'm sure those questions will come to light over the coming weeks months um Haitian police claim they've arrested a key suspect who I did not write his name down but it's a Florida-based doctor an older man who the 
rumor right now is that he hired these mercenaries in order to stage his own personal coup in right. order to become the president of Haiti. Right, so he can take power. Yeah. yeah, but right now, he obviously, that's not happening for him. So no. not going according to plan if those were his plans, you know, because this yeah, is all Florida. Street. Yeah, that's this <laughs> is all still rumors and whatnot. Um, Florida plays a weird role in a lot of these stories coming really out of the did. Caribbean. We'll get more into that in a bit. Um, but as it stands right now, most of the mercenaries that committed this assassination and attack are in custody. A few at large. There's believed to be a key suspect, um, perhaps. And there's like an interim government. I think there's like four different guys right now in Haiti claiming to be the president. Oh my God, this <laughs> yeah. is not going to end yeah. well. <laughs> so right now it's kind of all up in the air. It's already a very unstable country. There was protests happening there recently before this that obviously wasn't covered well, on the news i think i think um the the what was the guy's name who got assassinated again what was his name jovenel moyes the president he was refusing to step down and mm -hmm. um and uh like basically people were protesting that and then uh, Biden, actually, the Biden administration backed him. Yes, the, he's a U.S.-backed uh, right, leader. Right, and they said that he should stay until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, just wanted to add that. Yes, that's true. Um, so, I guess more information will come to light. Um, when it does, I will, in our intro segments, I'll keep this one. I'll put a pin in this one, and I'll keep the updates coming, but... Who knows, this could be an internal coup. This could just be messy politics in a very unstable country. Um, if if it could have some weird shenanigans going on, U.S. or other nations, but yeah. that all remains to be seen. Um, so, moving on to what has been a big news story the past couple days, and that's Haiti's neighbor, Cuba, and mass protest uh, erupting in the country as thousands... Cuba. Cuba flood out onto the streets of Havana and around the country protesting no accent was coming but they're protesting <laughs> the lack of a uh, food shortages yeah. medicine shortages yeah. um, and, and basically economic collapse that's occurring also, in this country also right I now. think uh, part of the problem is that there um, there's still a large part of the population I think don't get me wrong, I'm just quoting this off the top of my head, but I think they have like a population of 11 million and only 700,000 has been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So there's like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of anger that, you know, basically the vaccines haven't been distributed yeah. and, you know, there hasn't been a good vaccine rollout yeah. in Cuba. So Cuba. I think people there um, are rightfully frustrated with their situation. Definitely. Um it's important to note that there is counter-protest happening um, in favor of the government. The former Castro regime, obviously Fidel Castro, died. Um, but it's still very much connected to what he established. And, um, you know, there's... What I heard um, from a reporter is that, you know, the government has a way, and Cuban government has a way of rallying people when it's needed, you know? So in terms of these counter-protests... Keep that in mind. Um, so a couple important things to know. Um, I do think that, you know, um, definitely the government over there is probably not the best. Um, and yeah. there's probably a 
lot of hindrances in their democratic <laughs> process yeah. there. There's probably problems with um, freedom of access to information. Sure, um, yeah. It seems like there's only one party there, <clears throat> yeah. you know, so... Well, also, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a big factor, but how much of this this struggle is caused because of the embargo that's placed so, on Cuba? I, yes, so we'll, let's get into that. So, right. um, Sorry, I didn't mean to jump your point. One thing I've seen is that, you know, it's important to... Um, to to acknowledge these protesters, acknowledge the grievances they have. Food yeah. shortage, food and medicine shortages is a big deal. Oh, for and sure. Yeah. That's you know, speaking of human rights, or that should be a human right. And uh, yeah. frustrations yeah. with this government seems very much warranted. For sure. But we need to be aware when dealing and approaching Cuba that there is a lot of U.S. imperialism and bor- and colonialism that has been active in this country for 60 years it's pretty much yeah, yeah a long, long time. time since fidel became gained power during the revolution so you know this seems to me cuba seems to me like a relic of the cold war almost mm, like a piece yeah. of the cold war that yeah. was never really solved yeah that's true you know so i mean we also you know thinking of cuba we also had one of our most famous notorious uh, torture prisons well, there. Guantanamo Bay, yeah. yeah. yeah you know. um, so they've the U.S. has had its hands, its imperialistic hands in Cuba for a long time. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind when following the story. And Cuba has been under mass economic sanctions and embargoes for years. And it's crippled the economy. It's crippled there. And we were talking about how the times of crises every the problems become exacerbated sure pandemic is obviously still happening it's going to be more evident in countries that are poorer and have less access to um, vaccines and 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 these problems that were there and present become more evident and crucial um during these times of crises so the u.s has implemented sanctions and embargoes that have devastated cuba's economy for years um interesting enough uh obama started to actually release or, or um remove right. some of these I embargoes think that was one of the things he did on his way out actually. yeah and yeah. it actually was working pretty well um because one of cuba's main economic uh incomes Trouble. is yeah tourism yeah. and when trump became president he reinstated all those sanctions and embargoes and even more yeah and made it a lot worse yeah so the way this story what about Biden was he doing? Biden's not doing anything about it. He hasn't removed any <laughs> sanctions. Well, of course, what's interesting about this is the way it's presented on American media, the mainstream media, right. the neo-lib media, well, and even the conservative media. They all seem to be in lockstep in line with how they present this story. As in I as in the Cuban government is bad. They're bad because they're communists and socialists. Right. People yeah. aren't free there. And we need to look out for the people of Cuba, while all at the same time ignoring the U.S. imperialism there, the well, sanctions, the embargoes. Do you remember? Do you remember during the Democratic primaries this year um, when Bernie um, Bernie got attacked because uh, of his comments regarding Cuba? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And I remember one of the things he said is that obviously, obviously, you know. Uh, you know, they have basically had to deal with like the same what they've had since the embargo was in place. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a very, you know, uh, simple country because of that, right? Because you know, because they're so poor. 
but he got in trouble for saying about how they uh, uh, made uh, what they did in regards to health care and education, right, was good. And actually, Cuba is actually very, very, uh, very good medical-wise. medical, medical wise. They have a very strong, you know, health system. And their education, you know, it's free, you know, all that stuff. And Bernie was saying, he's like, obviously, you know, there's, there's still bad stuff going on. And, you know, but we have to acknowledge that these two things that they are doing is something that maybe we should think about implementing here. Mm-hmm. And it's ed- not the most freest in terms of democracy and the right. democratic process. That's a problem right. there for sure. No, for sure. And, but the thing is, is that, you know, I, you know, they want to, you know, it ties to a bigger theme of what we've done abroad in silencing natural progressive movements, especially in Latin America mm-hmm. and where we've, you know. Uh, where we have to demonize them because because communism is just this big scary bad guy that well that's what it always comes back to that's why I like I said it's already first we're already halfway into the story but I want to state this is kind of like a lot of the info there's a lot of conflicting information as this story comes to as this story comes to light there's a lot of conflicting information and the full story and the full picture isn't quite clear yet I've heard from some people that at the protests they'll be chanting anti-communist anti Fidel regime chants but then when reporters on the ground talk to individuals in the protests they're like hey look this is about us being hungry and not ha- and not having the proper medical access we need and not and the, and the economy cla- collapsing right. but in the the media the US media and on this is a bipartisan issue for democrats mm-hmm. and republicans they're right. lockstep in line and shaming communism or socialism shaming this government and and basically just pouring fuel on the fire and they, they want to use it as an example of, see, this is why we can never implement socialist policies exactly. in the U.S. It happens every time there's there's protests, like, for example, a couple years ago, Venezuela. Right. And again, same thing. There's been there's an economic hit is placed on those countries right. by the West, and, and it damages their economy, and eventually it leads to a collapse. It's and, inevitable. And One thing to, to think about is how much media coverage this story has received a lot of media coverage in the past couple days but how little media coverage is given to protests that happen in countries that are led by a right-wing government for Mm, example there's protests that have been happening in colombia all Mm -hmm, year far-right government brazil far-right government chile has had protests in the past Mm -hmm. couple years against their far-right government south africa south africa protests are happening right now but these protests don't get the same airtime on the neo-lib media or the conservative media or among Democrat or Republican po- representatives. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they yeah. they have their story there in Cuba, and that that story is socialism is bad, right? And we need to propagate it, that idea. Yeah. And if you start covering stories of protests and 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 civil unrest in governments that are far right or right leaning it's not as it's not as sexy it's not as sensational yeah. as saying though no, we're finally toppling the last of the communist dictatorships yeah. you know we're finally dismantling socialism yeah. these other protests that occur in other countries they sure they get they get obviously covered but they don't get the media frenzy mm-hmm. that they get here in america is this a little bit of a conspiracy theory um it's bordering into that. I do think that there's something to be said for I, how I, this I, story I, is covered in America. I totally agree. And I think we need yeah. to be very wary of how 
we follow this story through the lens of American mainstream media. And, and follow those other protests if you're interested. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, watch what's happening abroad because right now it seems like a lot of many things are culminating all over the world. Like, kind of like the there's a global crisis right now other mm-hmm. than just the pandemic. It just seems like there's, there's a lot off in the world. It doesn't feel like nature is completely healed as people like to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know that's very interesting and something I've uh, I've definitely considered. It is funny that it's always these communist you know regimes. You know we got to tear socialist down regimes. socialist regimes that we got to tear down and you know yeah yeah because yeah, it because re- reinfor- the centerpiece when this happens like Venezuela yeah. is a huge one. And it turned out when further researching that, that it was actually a minority, a small minority of people leading those protests right. from a from an upper class uh, mm. section of the country. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Shocker. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when you my main point being there is this is is going to be a tricky one to follow and, uh, you know, take everything you see in the U.S. mainstream media with a grain of salt. Right. They're going to have their narratives here about so- the socialist boogeyman yeah. and all that. But also remember that people are out there fighting for things that, you know, we don't live in Cuba. So obviously they're out there fighting for real grievances. Police brutality is happening there to these protesters. Mm-hmm. I've read that there's leftists, many leftists involved in these protests oh, yeah. who have been arrested. And so yeah. this isn't like a right wing protest as they want you to think about in America or like I heard that there's uh, there is a gathering of Cubans in Miami protesting that was even larger than the crowds protesting in cuba and if you know this if you've heard i've heard um is that the cubans in florida are very right wing because they've been kind of i don't know if i would say ousted from or exiled from the country but they've been ousted in some way right which is obviously unhealthy for the democratic process and they blame leftist policies for why their country became the way it is exactly so um yeah, I know that's that's a very that's a very uh, fun point. You know, I also saw the Miami um, the Miami uh, mayor say mm-hmm. that we should. Uh, he was petitioning Joe Biden to launch an attack on Cuba. Oh yeah, that's the other thing I for- almost forgot to mention that yeah. a lot of these Cuban Americans in Florida are rallying for U.S. military intervention, yeah. which is yeah, part two. <laughs> the last thing I think we need, and I think I don't know how you could ever advocate for your home country to be invaded by the most powerful military on earth yeah that sounds like maybe you're a little too lost in the whatever sauce. yeah you're lost in the sauce, whatever baby. kool-aid you've been sipping to makes that makes you that angry angry with your home country's government um um advocating for military intervention yeah. is kind of like maybe a bad idea yeah, yeah so hey just look at what we've done in the middle east and ask if you really want that fucking done to cuba <laughs> so because of the history of cia and u.s involvement in overthrowing in overthrowing governments in latin america be it the caribbean or central america or south america um i've seen people online Positing that this is perhaps some type of CIA coup. I'm not going to say that. It's possible. I don't think so. In this case, I don't think so. I think the U.S. has a good way of stoking tensions there and, mm-hmm. and you know, using their economic sanctions to fuel economic collapses. But to say there's direct CIA involvement, I wouldn't say that yeah, about this yet. Yeah. 
But in reading about this story, it, it, it made me think of all the times um, that the CIA or the U.S. has um, covertly in some way overthrown democratically yeah. elected governments. Let me just let me just pause it here. I'll quote uh, one Joseph Robinette Biden who said, could you imagine if we interfered and meddled in other people's elections? Mm. Could you imagine? That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Which brings me <laughs> this week. It's not quite a conspiracy theory that I've had because a lot of this is real. Mm-hmm. They are conspiracies, but not theories. Okay. Because a lot of it's conspiracy facts. <laughs> yeah. That um, you're going with the more a more and more easily proven one. This is a deep topic. Yeah. Um, we could honestly go for a whole show about just this um, this topic, but yeah. I'm gonna try and condense it down to just my ending segment here about the CIA's involvement with coups and and there are the U.S. governments, be it through economic sanctions or embargoes or CIA funded coups they have many times collapsed throughout the 20th century collapsed and overthrown democratically elected governments in latin america Uh, most of these uh democratically elected leaders were overthrown because they're socialist or left-leaning in Mm -hmm. some way and they are replaced and installed is what is it usually installed is a far right authoritarian regime yep. or some type of military junta well, that is it, friendly with the U.S. That is basically a U.S. Well, we puppet. can we can tr- we can control one guy, but controlling a whole government, you know, would well, be a little bit harder they, if it was more democratically. Yes, elected. because obviously the demo the democrat will work a democratic system will work for the people of that country the u.s problem here is that it threatens u.s business interests Mm. so when you get an authoritarian regime who only has to appease just his military generals and he can take handouts from u.s business and pay them off then it works a little bit better for them right so i just looked up a few um coups um that have happened let's start and with we're, and we're just focusing on latin america because mm-hmm. there there are other ones that happen it's in happened the around East the world and, yeah in a lot of different places but we're just focusing on is that this your, like i yeah. said this could be an entire episode right. if right. we really wanted to make All right, it so, so lay it on me let's go on. let's start with what happened in cuba so this is the All failed right. one okay and obviously it's obviously still not resolved to this day obviously so one thing I heard somebody say is that the older folk in Cuba are actually more in support of the uh, the regime because they remember the time before when a vicious dictator, Batista, ruled the country and it was a U.S.-backed dictator and U.S. had their hands in everywhere, whether it was on plantations or just sucking all the wealth out of the country and allowing and building their bases there a lot of times it does have have to do with trying to get access to different countries resources so in 1961 um president eisenhower at the time basically authorized the cia to train and arm and this will be a recurring theme for how these coups um occur the cia will find exiled um former military usually or just members of that country who have been ousted from the country for their most of the time paramilitary far-right paramilitary uh dealings and the cia will find these guys give them some training arm them fund them and a lot of times provide air support so 
what they did here and what is famously known as the Bay of Pigs was um, Eisenhower authorized CIA training and arming of anti-Castro Cuban exiles and other paramilitary groups. They would then go, their idea was that they would land here in the Bay of Pigs and that they believed that there was some strong underlying tensions towards the Castro regime and that they would land there and all these rebels who've been hiding underground would jump out to join them when they would land and they would have the support of the U.S. Air, like the U.S. would support them obviously through arms but they'd also be there through their air force right. using unmarked Navy jets mm. and um, but unfortunately when they landed uh, they overestimated uh how popular Castro was. And he was actually mm. very popular at this time. Yeah. And many of the... In following the story today, many of the older people at the counter-protest remember a time when Castro was very popular and admired as kind of a revolutionary who ousted um, colonialism and, and an authoritarian dictator from the country. So they landed there. Basically, no rebellion started up because people weren't interested in that and Castro had was much too strong um in his support and uh they basically it was a complete failure complete shit show the Castro regime lived and the CIA he would become a thorn in the CIA side until the day he died peacefully about a some time ago decade not wasn't that long ago um you know so that is one of the CIA's failings here in 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 uh, uh, their Latin American coups, and one that obviously is still persisting and playing out today. So we'll see how that goes. But um, here, uh, here's some other CIA coups that occurred. Um, a very famous one is the um, case of uh, the Guatemalan coup, coup d'état in 1954. A democratically elected president named Jacobo, Jacobo, Jacobo Ar Arbenz, um, who was a very who was democratically elected and very socialist, very socialist leaning. Um, when he was elected, he introduced many new reforms such as minimum wage and universal suffrage. But one of the big things he did that made the U.S. not too happy was he ousted the United Fruit Company, now known as Chiquita Banana. He mm -hmm. ousted them and seized the land that they were using and exploiting and basically having taking the wealth from this country and, and sending it elsewhere. Oh, he no. seized that land after ousting them and began to distribute it to the uh, working class of, of Guatemala. The U.S. first off was mad that their business interests there were getting messed with, and they also started to fear that he was headed the way of communism and yeah. could become a, a, you know, state sympathetic to the Soviet Union. Yeah. Don't so, nationalize your resources. Um, yeah. Um, so he was seen by the U.S. as essentially a communist, even though he was democratically elected and was socializing a lot of the country and introduced a lot of reforms that America even has minimum wage and universal suffrage. Um, so an operation was planned. It was originally titled Operation PB Fortune. It would later be called Operation PB Success, um, which basically um, 
took, as they did during the Cuban um, attempted coup, they took um, exiled military uh, from the country um, and other mercenaries from around Latin America. As we stated earlier, mercenaries, they, they seem to be in, 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 there seems to be a quite of a, a supply of them in, in yeah, South America. The Contras. Um, and basically, they trained um, a paramilitary force of some kind in nearby countries and armed them. The CIA trained and armed exiled uh, exiled military officer um, and other exiled military members and mercenary groups. And they basically were able to launch a coup that um, ousted President Arbenz and installed a authoritarian right-wing, far-right, authoritarian military regime. And to this day, I don't know if it's the same government in power there. I didn't um, look that up. But it seems that it's now a country with massive wealth inequality and a, um, a country where um, that perhaps could have had some type, benefited from some socialist policies, but is now a country of... I guess a lot of poverty and massive wealth inequality, probably in a lot due to having a far right authoritarian military regime. So the, another one I'd like to discuss. So that's just, so you'll, you'll start to see a recurring theme here. Um, the, another famous one is, is the Chilean coup of the early 1970s. Um, it started with an economic war launched by President Nixon that included economic sanctions and embargoes. Um, they basically didn't like a this guy, the president, a democratically elected, uh, socialist-leaning, um, elected president named President Salvador Allende. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Salvador Allende was elected to power after like what a series of, of, of rebellions and, um, and other, I guess, tensions in the country, but basically the CIA came along and this was, they took a lot of planning with this cause they wanted to decide how they, because the U S is, um, main rule in this is they never want to look like they're doing anything they, right, because right. on the face, face yeah on the face surface so they can tell the public is they want to be able to say we would never intervene um abroad we would never put a, put our dirty grubby hands yeah. in another country's political affairs we would never try and stage coups you know so all this is done in backroom dealings so because they're worried about chile going communist or becoming more socialist and basically you know this growing wave of of socialism that was growing in latin america um in throughout the 20th century they came up with three options they could do nothing and let and hope the political process out out there would oust allende without any coup or or they could seek out um a military um some military officers and see if they could get them, you know, what they could get them to do. And, um, so basically they did their thing that they do what they, what they had been doing in all these other countries. Yeah. And that was They've um, already written the playbook. Yeah. That was their goal was to try and back a coup through training people and supplying arms to 
back a coup that would oust his government. And this one, they were this was a successful coup, and they installed a notorious dictator. His name is Augusto Pinochet. Mm, Pinochet is a very notorious him. dictator. Very far right, very authoritarian, very militaristic. Not a good guy. Yeah, and to this day, you know, we mentioned Chile earlier with with their protest. Um, you know, uh, um, fighting a far right government. So obviously, the effects of these CIA coups, ousting democratically elected socialist governments, installing far right, usually military regimes. Um, has led to great instability in a lot of these countries and has led to a lot of far-right governments still being in power today and has crippled economies there. And the CIA for years was very um, mum about it because, you know, um, they didn't want to ever pretend like they were or they didn't want it to ever look like they were involved in another country's political affairs, Hmm. you know, but clearly they were. And what's... What I find interesting about this is that most of these operations, like I said earlier about dealing with Cuba, there's a, a, a to connect it back. There is a like bipartisan agreement between Republicans. Like this isn't an issue that like one party's pushing and another pushy's party ba- pushing back on. This is a bipartisan. They agree. Well, do you, these do you, these operations were agreed on by both Democrats and Republicans, well, liberals and conservatives. I think if you say. America, you know, America is, you know, right-leaning, right? And mm-hmm. people might be like, no, no, no. But you think about it, the reason why they, they they fight against these natural leftist movements in these countries is because it threatens us. It threatens the American empire. Mm-hmm. You know, we never stop being imperialist, basically. We still do it to this day. And, you know, anything that, um, you know, a country trying to take back what's theirs, a country trying to, you know, maybe nationalize their resources so they can build internal wealth and, you know, all, and better infrastructure and all that shit. No, well, we need it so that we can, you know, you know, like, take, for example, like, what we do, like, t- to get, like, the conflict minerals to make, like, iPhones or, you know what I mean? Like, shit like that. It's like, it's like yeah, we could look at the human side of it, but then, you know, your iPhone would have to be $3,000, you know what I mean? Or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It affects business at the end of the day. Like, all, like, all these countries being, you know, under a more authoritarian regime is more favorable to the U.S., especially yeah, it's if it's more a, favorable to U.S. business, especially if it's a U.S. back puppet. Yeah, I, a lot of these regimes will nationalize um, their they're what they call banana republics, right. as in their most of their wealth lies in some type of resource re, yeah. in ground in yeah. earth resource usually right. fruit but other times it can be oil in some countries like venezuela in Libya, and, Libya was oil. and um well venezuela oh, yeah, and true. um yeah, yeah. you know but a lot of this connects back to like the old truman doctrine which i believe was a an unspoken idea among the u.s foreign policy which is basically like stamp out any rising communism or socialism anywhere in the world and prevent it from happening because if those wheels start spinning then there's a possibility of it threatening the capitalist structure here in america Mm -hmm. so here's where i want to get a little bit more because a lot of this was all this is all true stuff Mm -hmm. where i want to get a little bit more conspiratorial with it is that i believe most of these operations 
that the reason the Truman Doctrine exists was to protect capitalism. Okay. And the reason these operations occurred was not because they cared necessarily. Obviously, they didn't care about about the people there, you know. But it wasn't just about U.S. business interests. That was obviously a main goal. But the other goal being was that if they allow, if they allow countries and and the wheels of socialism begin to spin then the dominoes start to fall and then all of a sudden socialism is knocking on america's front door right threatening the capitalist system threatening business interests and threatening the u.s government that relies on the capitalist government so it was in the interest of the stability for the u.s government for their own stability mm-hmm. to oust other governments right. in other countries not only because we'd have you know we'd have more access to their resources but also because it's a threat to us at home mm-hmm. you know so, uh, uh, let me just let me just uh, sure. i want to i want to read ahead. what the the truman doctrine was mm-hmm. uh President Harry S. Truman established that the United States would provide political, military, and economic assistance to all democratic nations under threat from external or internal authoritarian forces. The doctrine effectively reoriented U.S. foreign policy away from its usual stance of withdrawal from regional regional conflicts and not directly involving the United States to one of possible intervention intervention in faraway conflicts. Mm-hmm. So it, it it exists in order to have to be able to have intervention. And anywhere where there's some type of socialist or communist uprising. Well, that led to Vietnam War. Yeah. And this led to other wars, too. Um, you know, uh, there is wars fought in, in, in Latin America. Uh, like, there is that Granada invasion that happened when Reagan was president. It was mm-hmm. only, like, it lasts like a day, but... Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not saying this is what's happening in Cuba, but to me, when I... Hearing about this story with Cuba, it just feels like it's a relic of that, or something that was never resolved, a loose end. America was able to shut down any rise of socialism in Latin America except for Cuba. And so this was kind of left there. So now something is happening. There protests are occurring. And the U.S. sees finally this is our opportunity. We can knock it off finally in the place we missed. And so in coordination with the the media here, you know, which which is able to get the public behind anything that the U.S. government would say about it or any U.S. business or government interest that they have there by saying, oh, communism and socialism is horrible. If you live in a regime that's communist or socialist, you're not free. Kind of seems like power saving power. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you know, we want to control the way that, you know, we want the world to be in our image, right? Mm -hmm. We want the world to... But in reality, all we want is we want the resources. You know, we want we want a uh, foreign foreign nations resources. I mean, that's what the Iraq War was for. You know, we've always had eyes. Well, we want to be able to exploit foreign right, nations. Right. Yeah. Right. We want to be able to exploit them. So, you know, this was like a way that's of imperialism. Yeah, that's imperialism, and basically, this is like kind of like a subterfuge, like you know, kind of like psyop type of way of getting you know natural leftist regimes out of power and you know i I just 
it you know i i've known about this you know uh it's interesting hearing all that um uh but i didn't know like uh you know i didn't really it wasn't something i looked into a lot um but you know it is interesting because it just it kind of you know it kind of like leads to that like new world order type of you know what i mean like you know we all want you know i don't know it's just it's just it's weird it's weird that we meddle so much in other people's fucking other people's you know nations and lives and and we kind of just do it without even thinking about what the consequences are and what like how is this going to affect these people you know and we just go like oh well we can't do that because Oh, yeah, we might bring, you know, some socialist policies or some left, you know, I mean, leftist policies to the U.S., you know, because if if people in the U.S. start seeing these leftists, you know, let's just take, for example, Latin America, some of these leftist Latin America regimes going like, oh, you know, they're promoting more socialist policies that seem appealing to a U.S. populace they are going to be like, oh, you know, why aren't we doing that? Yeah, I mean, it's the domino effect here that they're worried about. I, the way I see it is that any any communist based or socialist based regime threatens the system that be in America that being right. capitalism right and the US government relies on capitalism to remain in power and remain stable right and so it is in their best interests that a the american public always always keeps in mind that socialism is bad and and it's the enemy and that it'll take away your freedoms or whatever and be that the rest of the world is is also in line with how the american economic system runs in order to serve u.s economic interest right. and to maintain the power that be so you know who knows what's going on in cuba and what the u.s imperial interests are in that situation but we've seen them play out in other ways in Latin America throughout the 20th century and we've seen how how the CIA or <laughs> you know the government in general operates when it comes to dealing with um, a government with a political ideology that doesn't quite match with what the US government um, bases their system off of totally agree so yeah um, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, it, it is interesting. I think, um, I think the fact that uh, okay, here we go. I found it. All right, I was trying to find B Biden's comment on uh, the protests in Cuba. I think that might mm -hmm. be, you know, uh, interesting to bring up. So <clears throat> we stand with the Cuban people and their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic from decades of repression and economic suffering to which they have been subject subjected by cubans authoritarian regime the cuban people are bravely asserting the fundamental and universal rights those rights including the rights of peaceful protest the right to freely determine their own future must be respected the united states calls on the cuban regime to hear their people serve their need at this time at a vital moment rather than enriching themselves Kind of a weird comment. Yeah, I mean, so it's he, very generic. Yeah, it's very generic. I don't really think, like, there's, like, really all that much there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's important to know, like, what our president is, you know, responding to this, you know. 
generic statement, blah, blah, blah. If they really wanted to, if they responded in any significant way, it would be to remove these economic sanctions right. and embargoes. Well, you really they, care. They put it on, they pin the blame on, on the, the regime. Yeah. But like, they know they have their role to play. Just as they played their role in these economic hits that have taken place in Latin America and throughout the rest of the world. Yeah. These economic hits that the U.S. conducts through sanctions and embargoes, collapses a a country's economy. It's it's just weird that... And uh, they do that in order to frame socialism in a negative light. Yeah, and make it look like your economy collapse. If you have a socialist government, your economy will collapse. Yeah. While ignoring the economic hit staged by the U.S. government, which perpetuates the system that birthed it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, you know... um, I think uh, it's rich that we kind of, we kind of just, we, you know, like in that statement, Joe Biden kind of goes like, hey, what are we going to do about it? You know, the Cuban regime needs to work this out. But it's like, yeah, you could lift the sanctions fucking tomorrow. You could lift it to, tomorrow. Yeah, but- it's clear there's no, maybe it's, maybe it's not clear. There's no, I don't think there's any dark op happening here. No. It's happening in the light. Yeah. It's the sanctions and the embargoes. Well, that's you, what the well, that's you, what the American move is here. That's fueled the, the well, these know problems it, in Cuba. Trump put more sanctions and more embargoes on them, and Joe Biden most likely, you know, just to keep up the status quo. He's like, yeah, he's okay with that. He doesn't really have a problem with even that. though Obama removed him. Yeah, and then Trump put him back in place. But, but very interesting, Zach. Very very well researched. Um, it's, I think it's something that, you know, a lot of people need to know that, you know, that this has happened over the years, you know, and it's, it's something to be aware of when following yeah. this story. I, you know, I don't think it's time to quite start saying yet that this is a uh, U.S. backed coup because I don't right. think it is. But you're saying but it has happened U.S. In the past. actions, yeah. economic sanctions and economic hits have played a role in how how this country is now experiencing some collapse exacerbated obviously by the pandemic and they've done it time and time before in other latin american countries in order to protect u.s interests and they keep the public in the dark about what they're doing be it behind the scenes i mean the embargoes are public knowledge but you know it's all all of it leads back to protecting the system of capitalism and demifying any type of socialist government you know, yeah. or, you know, any type of government that's, that's, you know, taking any type of measures to reduce the proliferation of capitalism in some way, yeah. you know, well, and capitalism, it seems like wins in the end. If the U S is the, it's beast, you know, and it's, it's, it's weapons are working that yeah. being sanctions and embargoes. Capitalism always wins. I guess. <laughs> um, so is that it? You want to wrap it up? Yeah, that's all I have for today. All right. Well, um, that was that was very interesting. Um, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll stay updated on yeah. on on all those stories, um, um, and we'll provide updates as they come. Like I said, the situation in Cuba right now is very blurry, and there's a yeah. lot of cl- it's conflicting. Still very new. There's a lot of conflicting information, a lot of conflicting reports. Um, but I think that this is, if there's any time not to trust the U.S. mainstream media, the neolib media, it's in reporting this, right. this story. Because they're going to warp it, and they have a story to tell. Yeah. And you know what that story is. I've made, we've made it clear yeah. what, their, what their goal in reporting in this court. is. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Um, stay tuned. Got another one coming up next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, our movie review will be of 
Caligula. So check that out. All right. Take it easy. Cool. Thank you for listening. Immortals, the gods come and so miss me with the whoopie woo. You take the devil for God, look how he doing you. I'm Jack Johnson, I beat a slave, catch a snaggle tooth. I'm Tiger Flowers with a higher power, hallelujah. Life gets so bad, it feel like God mad at you. But that's a feeling, baby, ever lose. I refuse, I disabuse these foolish fools of their foolish view. I heard the revolution coming, you should spread the news. Garvey, mind Tyson, punch, this is bad news. So feel me, follow me, devil then got on top of me. Bad times got a monopoly, give up, I did the opposite. Pitch perfect, did it properly, only killed by his property. This life will stress you like Orson Welles on a radio. War after war, the world will make all your...